Welcome to Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage, the show that gives you a chance to hang with today's top contemporary jazz artists. I'm your host, Carl Brown. Hey, everybody, and welcome to today's episode. Today's episode is a replay of our episode with Marcus Adams. Marcus Adams will be featured at the upcoming Fresh Coast Jazz Festival, August 26th and 27th in Milwaukee. At the festival, Marcus will be playing with Vandell Andrew, PJ Spragans, and Merlon Devine. You're only going to see this show at the Fresh Coast Jazz Festival, so be sure to get your tickets at freshcoastjazz.com. Enjoy the episode. Today's guest is a sax man, a vocalist, and a friend of mine, Mr. Marcus Adams. Marcus, what's good, man? Everything is good, man. I mean, we're coming out of the pandemic and we're getting back to live music. So as far as I'm concerned, life is wonderful. Fantastic. It's good to hear that, man. Yeah, 2021 is off to a really good start for you. Right. You got your new release reset. Like you mentioned, you're starting to get back out and do some shows. Why don't you let the folks know what's been popping off for you since we kind of freed ourselves a little bit from the pandemic? Well, as you mentioned, this year has uh, ushered in the release of my uh, latest project, Reset. And it's kind of reflective of what I believe everybody is going through right now. We've gone through the pandemic and now we're having the opportunity to reset our lives in so many ways. So. The new CD is out and uh, it's doing very well, uh, especially international markets. It's doing very well. So I am now working my way into performing live again. Schedule is picking up pretty well. And uh, it's just like all my other colleagues, we're just happy to be performing again live music. Yeah, I know, man. It's like when you go back and you think about this time, you think about what you lost and the value of those things. And live music is one of those things that just brings so much joy to people's lives. And one of the things I've been seeing is that as you guys get back out and start performing live again, I see people gobbling up tickets to shows, right? Because there's just that pent up demand, right? Right, right. I mean, I've been fortunate enough to have garnered enough support to where that is happening to me as well. You know, when I announced that I'm going to be here or be there performing. People usually respond, especially coming out of the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. And I love the, I've been listening to Reset quite a bit. I've listened to it many, many times, right? And it's a fantastic piece of work. Thank you. But I also love what you just were talking about, about the vision for the piece, right? That going through this crazy year and a half of global pandemic, like, resetting your life. So talk to me a little bit about what that looked like for you, man. I released two projects. I have two pandemic CDs. The first one I released was uh, last year, 2020, July 4th. And this uh, CD was Love Letters. And on that CD, I uh, collaborated with a few artists, um, Selena Albright, Reagan Whiteside, Merlon Devine, Marquel Jordan, produced by Lou Lang Jr. I mean, just a lot of uh, artists. And uh, my first pandemic CD, and uh, it was kind of different. I did a little bit more vocal stuff, but it was uh, all about love. You know, I felt that uh, during the pandemic, people had a lot of time to kind of get into some uh, areas of life that they didn't have time before. And I think love is really one of those avenues that we were able to explore a little bit more deeply. And then uh, after that, coming out of the pandemic reset, I mean, there's so many ways that we're having to reset. I mean, we've lost so many people. So we're having to reset family structures and just get back on top of things. 
in our faith, in our business. So, so many people are not going back to a nine to five, but they've started their own companies. I just think that this is uh, the first time something has happened like this in a postmodern world. And I believe that uh, it's a great opportunity. I believe we have an opportunity to reset. And I think that we should take advantage of that. Yeah. You're a thoughtful brother. I mean, I've yeah. known you for a while and yeah. you're a thoughtful brother and you think deeply, right? And so... I'd like to think so. <laughs> yeah. But that's cool because I think one of the things that we listen to music and we go see these artists, but so often we don't have a chance to really understand them, right? And I know your career was started and rooted in the church, right? It was. It was. And it still is. Let me not say it was. I believe that gospel music is, uh, it was my first love. And I started playing in church at the age of, I want to say, nine or 10. But I started music in church at the age of eight, writing my first song wow. at the age of eight. At in eight church. years old. Yeah, yeah. Eight at eight years, years old, I don't think I was tying my shoes yet, man. You were writing songs. <laughs> writing songs, <laughs> man. Writing songs. So uh, gospel music has been, and it is a very important part of my life. I believe that, uh, Gospel music, and uh, a lot of people don't know this, but uh, country music to me is just slowed down gospel music. You know what I mean? To me. So, I mean, those two musics have so much integrity. They have so much substance with them. People really tell deep stories in those kind of music. And so I love gospel music, man. I love it. And uh, that's how I got my start musically. That's fantastic, man. You know, you mentioned about that connection between country and gospel. We were, my family and I, we just came back from a vacation to Nashville and there is the new National Museum of African-American Music there. Oh, wow. Which I would suggest to anybody that if you get a chance to go to Nashville, go to that museum. I mean, I'll be honest with you, man, it brought tears to my eyes going through that museum, right? And there's some great interactive exhibits where it shows just what you were talking about. It shows that linkage from the slave trade all the way to today and how music has developed and how a piece of it came from maybe this genre and a piece came from that genre to create a new genre and how it's evolved over the years. And what you're talking about is really what's been going on in music since the dawn of time, right? We take a little bit of something and something influences us and we turn it into something else. That's it. On that note, I do believe that uh, even smooth jazz itself is going through an evolution right now. All music evolves. Uh, smooth jazz is a hybrid of jazz music, just fundamental jazz music or traditional. But all music evolves. And I believe that a smooth jazz itself is evolving once again. Or should I say it's going through what I probably consider its first major evolution. Yeah. How do you see that? What does that look like to you? How do you see it evolving? Well, we had our heyday. Smooth jazz, should I say, had its heyday in the uh, 80s when you had uh, people like uh, Grover Washington Jr., David Sanborn, Crusaders. Ronnie Laws, people like that doing arenas. We weren't doing uh, little small venues. We were doing arenas and filling them up. Art Porter Jr. And we had our heyday, I believe, our first heyday. And the genre itself kind of, I believe, lost its footing just a tad bit. And because of that, we kind of lost, and this is just my perspective, we lost just a little bit of our substance and maybe some creativity and ingenuity as well. And so we lost radio. Yeah. We lost Grammy, our Grammy position. You know, there's no more awards for stuff like that. I believe what's happening now is myself and along with a number of my colleagues, I describe myself as a soul jazz artist, not smooth jazz. And the reason being is because I believe that once again, the genre is transforming. And a lot of my friends, including myself, 
we're shifting towards something more organic again and something more authentic and not trying to replicate what's on the radio, but we're producing a new sound. And I believe that's the evolution that's happening right now. That's cool because, you know, one of the things that I've always loved about this genre of music, about smooth jazz, is that it is a little bit like you consider yourself a soul jazz artist, right? Mm -hmm. Well, there's people who are more rock jazz and there's people who are more pop jazz and right. This is so true. Mindy A. Bear, rock jazz. Exactly yeah. right. And, yeah. even, and even blues, you yes. know, and Mindy's yes. going to be a guest on the program soon, you know. But it's amazing to me when I talk to people about smooth jazz or contemporary jazz, whatever you like to call it, and people who aren't familiar. And I say to them, I say, well, tell me an artist that you like. And I guarantee you, I can tell you a smooth jazz artist that you like based on somebody who you like, who's either a country or a rock or soul or R&B artist. Tell me who you like. And I guarantee you, I can find you somebody in that smooth jazz camp that you'll love. And to point, people that I've done that with, they've always come back and say, yeah, you know, wow, I really kind of dig that. That's cool. And, you know, it's great to see that coming together. And so I really do think that's great how you see it, the evolution that's going on. But you mentioned a name that I have to come back to because we share something here. You said that David Sanborn, I read that David Sanborn was really the person who made you want to be a sax player. And David Sanborn is the reason I started to love this music. So tell me about your David Sanborn story. Man, listen, the first time I heard David Sanborn, the song was Chicago song. Okay, yeah. And man, I had never heard saxophone played like that before. It was so cutting and so bright and it was so in your face and just so raw that it penetrated you. You know what I mean? And Sanborn, when I heard him interview, he described how he got his style. It just made all the sense in the world. He said that he was playing in a rock band. There we go again. And he said he had to develop a sound that penetrated all the other sounds, else he'd get drowned out. You know what I mean? And so right. he created this sound that is unique. He can start playing and immediately, that's David Sanborn. You know who he is. And as far as I'm concerned, he kind of put the seed of playing the saxophone in my heart. He put the seed. And then I would say after that, people like Albright and Ronnie Laws and Everett Hart, people like that came along and watered it. Yeah, that's Sanborn, cool. Sanborn that's really put cool. that seed there, man. It's interesting you say Sanborn because that's the same thing that happened to me, man. It was 1981. I was a junior in high school. My older brother was DJ. And Saturday morning, I hear something coming from his room. And I'm like, I have never heard anything like that, right? It was David Sanborn's Voyeur album. And from that moment, I was hooked on this music, man. Like as a high school student in the 80s until now, the 2020s, this has been my go-to music, right? And it all started with David Sanborn. And I also had a situation, I was in advertising for a long time for a career, right? And my very first day working at uh, my first weekend living in New York, I started a job at an ad agency in New York. I walk into an apartment building to see a good friend of mine from college. Her brother was an actor on Broadway. I walk into the apartment building and as I'm walking in, David Sanborn's walking out. So I was just like, oh, oh my goodness, wow, wow. wow. Like yeah. I got to see David Sanborn. So yeah, that's cool. yeah, I think a lot of people have gotten into this music because of the likes of David Sanborn and people like Jeff Lorber. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Some of the other folks that you mentioned, because you're right, it was kind of back in that 80s period where those people who really pioneered this genre. I mean, they played music. If you listen to David Sanborn's CD, Heart to Heart, I mean, uh, a lot of the stuff produced by Marcus Miller, the songs, they were songs. It was almost like Sanborn 
was singing. It wasn't that they were just playing, he was playing notes. It was like you could take his saxophone and replace him with words. He literally wrote songs, not just pieces of music. And I think that uh, the music just resonated that way, not just him during that era, but a lot of the artists, they actually wrote songs. And it wasn't just sax, it was a moment. They would write something that would last with you. You know what I mean? It was a literal moment, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that takes me to, you talk about the writing of songs and you wrote your first song at age eight. Mm -hmm. Talk to the fans about your process for creating music. I would say up until Reset, my writing was... The process for writing in the industry nowadays with the advent of the loop, and what a loop is, is producers or writers, they'll create a four-bar piece of music and they'll repeat it. And so once they create the four-bar or eight-bar piece of music, it's repetitious throughout the song. And so it's called a loop. And what happens, and it's a great process. It is because, you know, with the advent of uh, computers and doing work digitally, that's pretty much how, that's industry standard now. That's how things are done. And so you have to progress with time. And so that's how the music is written for the most part. So I was writing that way. But the thing about the loop is the boundaries are set. And you can't venture outside those boundaries because the loop is established. And so that's what it is. And so I was writing that way. And it's great. But with Reset, I didn't write with the guitar. I play five instruments. So I didn't write with the guitar. I didn't write with the piano. I didn't. I picked my sax up. And wherever the saxophone went, that's where I let it go. And I wrote the music around where the saxophone went. Okay. okay. And I believe that's why Reset is some of the best music I'd like to think I've written so far. Because I totally changed my process. I wanted the saxophone to speak. And I wanted the saxophone to lead. And I think that's how they did it back in the day. They would write the music and they would write the lead music and the accompanying music would just follow the lead music. It's the other way around now. The loop dictates the song. But with Reset, I let the voice dictate the song. That's cool. Do you think that's going to be your way yes. of doing going forward? And the reason why is because I have never received this much acclaim from my project. Yeah. We're going to take a listen to the song Simple off of the Marcus Adams CD, Reset.
was the song Simple off of the LP Reset. So let's get back to our conversation. Well, I got to tell you, man, as I listen to Reset, I liked your other work. And you know I've been a fan of yours for a while. for sure. But Reset, I think, is your most refined piece of work to date. And it really is like it's it's something where every single tune on that CD is special, man. It's good. It's really good. So So I told you before, when you do get your Grammy. You did say that. I expect to get my invitation at the very least to the after party (laughs) now. I got you on tape now. So, all right. (laughs) And I am sticking to that. You did say that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's good to see that happening too. And you've talked about having a lot of acclaim with this piece of work Uh outside of the U.S., Talk to me about some of the stuff that's going on outside of the U.S. You know, man, the hope always is for any artist, I don't even think it's popularity or fame. It's just acceptance. You just want your work to be appreciated. That's all. You just want people to say, I mean, because we know we can play. We don't need people to tell us we can play. We want people to tell us how it made them feel. We write the music so the music can become a part of their life story. I got married to this song. Hey, I made my second baby to this song. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's, it's a part of your story, <laughs> man. So this music has been compared to so many people. I mean, I had someone say, this reminds me of Walter Beasley. And I was blown away. Or I had someone say to me, I recently got an email from someone and they said to me, this station in Paris picked you up because it reminded them of Kenny G. Kind of messed me up when they said that. Um. Or I had one, this really just, took the cake. I had a radio person email me and said, what was your inspiration behind the song Free and Flying? And I told them, well, this and that. They said, when I first heard it, I had to look at my CD again because I thought it was Miles Davis. Wow. I was like, get out of here. And it was like, no. I was like, I'm playing the saxophone. And they said, that's why I had to look at it again. Like, is he playing trumpet on this? I mean, people outside of the States, man, are just eating it up, I mean, to the point to where I've uh, went and got my passport renewed. That's because right. I do believe that uh, once things clear up a little bit more, I'll be doing some international traveling. Man, I'm so happy to hear that about for you. It's a great piece of work. And do you think that the U.S. market is just a little bit slower to pick up some things sometimes? Or is it a level of familiarity with others? Or what, what do you think it is? I think it's a number of things. The U.S. market, the smooth jazz market, I believe, is right now kind of set on the sound that it looks for. And sometimes when you venture outside of those lines, you kind of take the risk of not getting as much notoriety in the States. And so while the United States is the greatest market in the world, I just think the smooth jazz powers that be as far as radio is concerned, because that's what makes or breaks you. A lot of times when you venture outside of there, the lines, you may not receive the initial notoriety, but I do believe that anything that's authentic and full of integrity will eventually rise to the top. It will. That's a great way of putting it, too. And I'm going to tell everybody, if y'all ain't up on Marcus Adams' reset, y'all need to get up on Marcus Adams' reset, download it, wherever you get your music. www.themarcusadamsmusic.com Because it's hot, man. That's fire, man. And you did a lot with that piece of work, man. And so... I know the accolade is going to keep on coming for you, man. So how does it feel getting back to doing live shows, man? I did my first live show in front of people. Let me say band on the stage. I was, I'll say about a month ago. Man, it was rough. The first show was rough. It's almost like this. my son was talking to me. And he was like, Dad, what do you mean? 
I was like, okay, so think of Michael Jordan. And I'm not saying I'm the Michael Jordan or saxophone in any type of way, but it's just the analogy. I'm a basketball fan. I love Jordan. Greatest basketball player. Anybody listening? Giannis is second. Go Bucks, go. I mean, making this analogy, Jordan, maybe if he hasn't played in a while, he has to get his rhythm back, his mechanics. It's not that he doesn't know how to do it. It's just that there's a certain mechanic and a rhythm that you have when you're doing it. And so the first show, I would say probably the first half was rough. But by the second half, man, I was grooving. Oh, man, I was grooving. And the people loved it. And so when I say to you, my schedule is just like, you know, I'm a school teacher. I teach math. That's my other day job. I teach math. I'm a school teacher. And I'm really starting to look at my schedule and starting to look at some life choices as to say, you know, how much longer am I going to be able to do the two? Because it's getting like that. You know, my schedule is really getting to the place where I'm looking like, can I take that? Because I've already have two this month out of town. I got to be at work. So can I take this date too? Starting to happen like that for me. That's a part of the reset, right? Yes, it is. I mean, life changes and we figure out new things. And it's great for you to be in that position where you may eventually have to say, hey, I have to reset and make music my number one priority. You know, I'm sure the kids that you teach will miss you, but it's part of the evolution of life and of your career, which is a good thing. You know, it's funny because we've talked a little bit about COVID and things too. And my last two shows before going into quarantine were you and David Sanborn. Oh, wow. You and Mark Will Jordan did a show. I went yeah, to that show. you did. You were there. And then the very next show that I went to was on March 7th of 2020. And it was a David Sanborn show. Oh, look at that. And that was the last time I went to a show in more than a year and a half. Wow. You know, so you and David Sanborn come back together again, hey, man. That's what's up. Yep, yep, That's yep. kind of, man, prophetic or yeah. surreal. You know what I mean? Right, like, right, wow. right, right, yeah, right. That's what's up. So when you're doing a gig, do you have any like pre-show routine or backstage routine that you do to get ready for your show? Sure. One of the things I always say, this happened last show I did. This happened maybe I want to say two weeks ago. I was in Chicago and man, it was a full house. I would say it's maybe 250, 250 people. I was in Chicago and we got to the venue and the drummer thought that they had backline. And they didn't. Uh Uh-oh. So I got 250 people waiting on me to perform. And we have no drum set. Uh Uh-oh. So the drummer comes to the back room and he looks at me and he says, Marcus, man, they don't have a drum set. You know what I did? I laughed. You did? I laughed. Wow. You know why? Why? Because if me getting mad, is that going to produce a drum set? Right. No. So I told him, I said, listen, man, one of the things I've learned in life is this. The things you can do something about do something about those. The things that you can't, it'll all work out. And so, honest to God, I said, can you beatbox? <laughs> if you can beatbox, <laughs> we're going to make it work. All right. But one of my pre-show rituals is always just to calm down. And a lot of people get anxious. I don't because I remind myself, you know what's going to happen when you play your horn or when you go out there? The people are going to love you and you're going to be fine. You're not perfect. You're going to make mistakes. There are going to be people who don't like you because that's just how life goes. But what you do is you go out there, and the most important thing, I believe, is when you get on the stage, own it and create your moment. Own it and create your moment. And when you create your moment, the people will come in. So how do you do that, though? How do you Man, own it and create you are, your moment? You create your moment. You get out there on the stage, and you get a feel of things. When I hear music, I see colors. Uh, see colors when I hear music. And so I'll tell people, 
that's red. Can you, I mean, that, it's too red, it's too hot. I mean, bring it down some so I see colors. I go out there and I try, I try and create, each song has a mood or has a color. One of the songs on my CD is called In the Crowd. That song is like a royal blue. And so when I'm playing, that's what I'm trying to produce. When I'm listening to myself and I'm looking around, I'm looking for spots of royal blue because that's the vibe of the song. That's the reason why I chose that key. That's the reason why I chose that instrumentation. It's not haphazard. I was choosing these. That's why it's not organ in that song. It's this. That's why it's not piano. It's this because I was choosing a certain sound to produce a certain vibe and a mood and a moment. And so what you're trying to do is recreate that on the stage. And you take your time, you know, you got your instrumentation going and you build it slowly. But when it happens, you can see it, man. You can feel it. It's like, yeah, we're there now. We're there now. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool, man. Because I got to believe everybody has their own little way of doing it and things that trigger them to know when it's feeling good, feeling right. Yeah. How do you know when it's time to, I mean, creating music is personal, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like you're giving birth. Yeah. To something every time Good way to you say create it. a song, right? Good way to say it. How do you know when you're ready and willing to release your baby to the world? It's an intuitiveness. There's no recipe that is fits all. There's no recipe. It's your personal intuitiveness. There are times when I won't do a certain song at a show. Why is that? Because the vibe of the song is not for that, that particular moment. And again, I may be a little deeper than other people, but I'm not just interested in you dancing at the show. Again, I believe music has the capability and responsibility to impact people in a different way. It just does. And so I'm always trying to do that. Are we going to have a good time? We're going to have a hell of a time. Yeah, we are. We are. But at the same time, you're going to leave with the... Man, remember when we went? Remember when? Remember when? You're going to leave with one of those two because I believe music is supposed to do that. At the end of it all, you only got what if and remember when. When you come to my show, I want you to have a remember when. That's cool, man. That's really cool. I tell you, I have remember wins from the last show that I got a chance to see you at. And I have remember wins from all of the shows that were impactful to me. And as we sit here, I'm seeing some of them in my mind, right? Remember when? Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Yeah. And I, I never thought about it that way before, but that's really, really a great way to put it. And I think that's so important that you look at it that way because and I love the fact that you're kind of playing on the go. Like my wife is a concert snob, right? My wife don't want to go to the show if she can't get first row seats, right? <laughs> so most of the time I'm sitting in this show and I'm looking at set lists down on the floor, right? Mm -hmm. And most artists, they just go right through their set lists, right? And clearly that's not your vibe. That's not how you handle it. Like you're feeling the crowd and you're feeling the, the moment and you're changing as you go. Man, there have been times I have wrote songs on the stage. Yeah, cool. Wrote songs or, I mean, my band to tell you, you know, I'm fortunate enough to play. They play for other well-established smooth jazz artists. And so they're very versed in how to handle the, the etiquette of the stage and the artist. So I'm big on vibe. And I tell all of them, watch me and feel me. I'm big on vibe because there are times when the song's supposed to go this way and I just say, just stay right there. Keep going. I got to say, you saying that, no wonder people are comparing you to like a Miles Davis, because that's how Miles was, man. Miles, you know, I never thought of it that way. Miles played the vibe, man. Miles created 
in the moment a lot of times. If you ain't got the vibe, man, what do you have? Yeah. That's what makes it alive. Like, man, this it's not just repetition. Man, this thing is alive. It's alive right now on stage. And everything that you do, it adds to that. Every roll on the drum, every peak on the instrument, everything you do add to that moment because this thing is alive. Now, how are we going to take this baby from conception to wherever it needs to go in 10 minutes? And that's the beauty of it. Yeah, no doubt. That's the beauty of it because any given night, you can create something totally different. That's the beauty of it. That's fantastic, man. Well, knowing that you're a school teacher and I know that you've done advocacy work in the mental health space too, man. I'm not surprised that you're deep. Talk to me a little bit about that advocacy work that you've done. Well, I believe that one of the areas, my grandfather passed, God bless his soul, and uh, there's some things that he dealt with. I believe that being honest, that in the African-American community, one of the most understated things that we deal with is mental health. I agree. There is no health more important than mental health. I just feel that a lot of the things that we deal with in life, they have a genesis in some areas where there may be some mental health issues. We tend to look at those things as embarrassment. Now, here's what, and I got this, man. There's a renowned gospel artist. I was talking to him about mental health. I didn't know this, but man, this is so deep when he told me this. A lot of the things that maybe one would need help for medication, there are people, because of the rigors of being in the spotlight and because of the rigors of being famous, I mean, there's so much that comes with that. You got to be perfect. There are people who take medication. Not because they need it, but because they want to handle the rigors of it better. Oh, sure. And so there are people who need it and won't take it, but then there are people who don't need it, but because it helps you stay in a level playing field, they'll take it because they need to stay. Their minds need to stay a certain way. They need to stay level-headed. They need to stay on top of things because of the rigors of professional and public life. Yeah, yeah. So I'm big on mental health, man. Um, There's some things that I've dealt with personally that I've overcame. There's some things in my family that uh, we're dealing with and we've overcome. I would encourage anyone, don't be ashamed. I would encourage anyone, don't be afraid. It takes a lot of courage to make that first step. But I assure you that if you make that first step, every step afterwards would be beautiful. That's such a great message because I think we erroneously, we don't recognize that the real strength is when you recognize that you need to get help and you take the step to go Mm -hmm. and get help, right? Mm -hmm. I'm happy that we're talking more about the importance of mental health now and that people are saying and coming to a real understanding and an agreement with the fact that it's okay to not always be okay, right? That's what they say. Yeah, and it is okay to not always be okay. No one is perfect. And we heap, we allow the world to heap onto us all of these things that put us into a box of trying to be somebody else's version of who God created yeah. us to be, yeah. right? Yeah. And when we let some of that stuff go, then we can blossom and bloom. But you're right, taking care of our minds and our souls and our spirits, man, that's what's important. And that's where if you can't take care of that, or if that's not right, how can any of the rest of it be right? That's why we lose ourselves. And if yeah. you look at a lot of the artists that are renowned or have been very, very influential, the tragedy is Some of them will die from a drug overdose or some other tragic way. And I believe that's because the pressures, 
and maybe some mental health issues. You know what I mean? And a lot of people, we think that mental health issues means you're crazy. No, simply means that your brain is wired a certain way. You didn't ask for these cards. You were dealt these cards. So just make the most of them. You know what I mean? I have to tell people that. There's nothing wrong with you. You're absolutely beautiful. That's just how your brain is operating today. That's such a great message, yeah, that's man. It. That's such a great message, yeah. man. Yeah. So I know you have lots of them, but I'm going to try to pinpoint you. Tell me who are probably your top three or four musical influences. Well, David Sanborn, definitely. We're talking about musicians. So David Sanborn, saxophone, piano, keyboard, Chick Corea, definitely. A vocalist, man, you probably won't believe this. But I would say probably male, man, I love Michael McDonald. Oh, yeah. Great voice. Male, Michael McDonald. And as far as I'm concerned, Whitney Houston is the greatest person, woman that ever picked up a microphone. Whitney Houston. I mean, like, man, oh, Jesus. But those are some musical influence. And then, you know, at the bottom of the list, but not the bottom, Stevie. Stevie, yes. Yeah, Stevie is amazing, man. I tell you, I was playing golf a couple of weeks ago and one of the guys I was playing with, he likes to listen to music on the golf course and the song Ass came on, right? And one of the other guys we were playing with had never heard the song, right? And so my family would tell you, I'm a, like for me, sitting on my patio, glass of lemonade, my Stevie, yeah. man, that's living the that life to me, to right? Me. Yeah. And I was telling this guy just about the song As, and in my opinion, the song As is the most well-written song to ever grace our ears. And I'm a big Stevie fan too, man, so I feel you there. That's a great list, man. That's a lot of rich inspiration there. A lot of rich inspiration. Yes, it is. Now we're going to take a listen to the song Long Way Home from the CD Reset.
You just heard the song Long Way From Home from our guest today, Mr. Marcus Adams. So Marcus, let's get back to our chat. So Marcus, we have this segment that we do on each show and it's called Bout It or Doubt It. Okay. All right. And it's a little game we like to play. If you bout it, it's something you like. If you doubt it, it's something that you just not feeling. All right. So you down for playing? Hey, let's go, man. I doubt it. All right, all right. So we're going to spin the wheel to get your category. So let's go ahead and spin that wheel. And all right, Marcus, your category comes up as fun and leisure. All let's right. Roll. Let's roll. All right. Bout it or doubt it. Okay. All night after parties. Doubt it. Doubt it. All right. That was a quick Doubt one. Doubt it. That was a quick one. See, everybody has this vision of musicians as it's the hotel lobby after the show Man. and it's going on until six in the morning. Man, listen. I, be honest with you, after I get off the stage, do you know what I want to listen to? I want to listen to the flicker of a candle. That's it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. A lot of times, man, when you get off the stage, you don't want to talk to people. Yeah. You don't want to be around people. You want to change your shirt because you're sweating and you want to go somewhere and sit down because you've just given of yourself. Yeah. So an all night party, man. Yeah. With my pillow. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like that. I yeah. like that. How about one more? Go ahead. Roller coasters. Doubt it. Definitely. Doubt it. Okay. Doubt it. Okay. Oh, okay. my God. No. No. <laughs> no. If God wanted me to go that high, I'd have wings. I know. I'm like you on them roller coasters, man. I, I, I don't touch do them it. things, man. Man, somebody made that thing, and I make mistakes all the time. Somebody made mistakes somewhere, and I'm not trying to put a curse on anyone, but that's just my perspective. Man, I cannot do the roller coasters. I look at my kids and say, hey, y'all have fun. But me... I want my two feet to stay on the ground. Yeah, I hear you, man. I'm with you on that one. I've never been a fan of them, and I'm glad my daughter doesn't like them anymore either. She used to like them, and she's not feeling them anymore, so that's a good thing, man. So now we're going to take a listen to Sounds of Art off the CD Reset.
You just heard Sounds of Art off of the CD Reset. Let's get back to our conversation, Marcus. What are some of the artists that you've collaborated with? You've mentioned a few, but I know there's a long list. Who are some of the folks you've collaborated with? Man, so my first CD was produced by Grammy Award nominated producer Demonte Posey. He's also Eric Bernays producer. So Demonte Posey's uh, one of my best friends. So he produced my first artist. So that was me coming out of the gate with Suddenly. And then Dream Again was produced by, again, Grammy-nominated producer Nate Harrison. On that CD, I had uh, Lynn Roundtree play on that CD. Also on that CD, I had Niles, the guitarist. Oh, yeah. On that CD. It was just some great stuff. And then with the love letters, I mean... Marquel Jordan, Selena Albright, Reagan Whiteside, Merlon Devine, Lou Lang Jr. was the uh, super producer. Lou Lang Jr. produced that. And then on reset, I stepped back and just said, let me reset. And I did everything myself. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Interesting how, again, that evolution from working with all these other great, talented people to saying, I'm going to stand on my gifts for this project. And I'm not surprised that you're getting the accolades that you're getting. Anybody that you have on your list that you're really, really looking forward to working Man, with? If I ever get in her vicinity, she is going to remember me for the rest of her life because I'm going to grab her ankle and never let go. <laughs> Layla Hathaway. Okay. Oh All right. my God. If I ever get in her vicinity, yeah. she's going to remember me. Yeah. Yeah. Layla Hathaway. And then again, man, I just, man, if I could just do one song with Michael McDonald. Yeah. I mean, there I just love there that cat, go. man. That cat, he's one of the most distinct and just smoothest sounding guys, man. I mean, oh, man, I just love Michael McDonald. How does that process work of collaboration? Is it like typically like it's people that you know or people somebody says, hey, I think you two would be great on this together? Or how does that process typically work? So I'm going to uh, just let the cat out of a bag just a little bit. I am currently working on a song right now with Walter Beasley. Okay. So how does collaborations come about? A lot of times, a lot of times, it is relationship. A lot of times it's people you've met on the road or people who admire your work. That, I would say, for me, that's been 75% of it. And then there are times you can just make a cold call and just say, hey, I'm Marcus Adams and I have this song that I think your artist would be, talk to management or whatever, they'd be great for it. Okay, let me listen to it. Send it to me. Let me hear what yeah. you got. Thumbs up or thumbs down. Yeah. Yeah. Is it harder to go through the management route, easier to go through the artist route? Does it matter? Is it? It's definitely easier going through the artist route. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you establish a relationship, it's definitely easier, man. I mean, and nothing against management because I'm working on, I'm getting to the place now to where I have people who are saying to me, let me manage you. Let me do this. I just like to be personally involved. Maybe it's just how I'm built, but it's easier going through the artist thing. Sure. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense because then artists can say to management, hey, mm -hmm. this is something I'm going to do. Let's set it up. Yeah. So that makes a whole lot of sense. What is something your friends would be surprised to find out about you? I am a political news junkie. Really? Oh, man, I'm into politics deeply. If I was not a jazz musician, you know, of course I teach music, but I would be an internet political pundit. Really? Oh, man. Wow. Sit up here and discuss politics with you all day. Oh, see, now you and my wife would get along yes. fabulously because... And conspiracy theories. Oh. oh, my God. I hit you with some stuff. You'd be like, you know what? That makes sense. I mess you up. See, last year I had to quarantine my wife from the political I news believe. shows. Yeah. Man. yeah. She was watching them all day, every day. 
when the presidential election came out, she was keeping her own scoreboard and tallying up. Yeah, that sounds like There's me. this many electoral votes here and there. You like that too, huh? Oh, man. Listen, election night? Now, that's a night I'll stay up all night for. No kid. That's a party, That's man. a party for you, yeah. huh? That, that beats the backstage party? Yes, sir. You see the states coming in, and you doing this, and you looking at this, and all your theories are going on. Man, that's what's up. And all this time I've known you, we've never spoken anything about politics. I would never have known that about you, that's see? That's the side of me that people don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So what's playing in your ride right now? Man, I was listening when I came here. I was actually listening to some gospel, man. I was listening to Donald Lawrence. Okay. Donald Lawrence and Tri-City, Mass Choir. Like I said, I love gospel, and I really love the choir. So I was listening to Donald Lawrence, but smooth jazz. I was listening to my guy Marcus Anderson. I was listening to some Julian Vaughn, definitely. Julian's going to be playing our festival coming up in October. We're looking forward to that. I definitely dig his vibe. Definitely dig his vibe, man. He's a funky, smooth cat. He is, yes, yeah. and a good dude too. Oh man, he's just a, just nicest guy, one hundred percent. Yeah, great guy. really good dude. And so it's cool to see how you guys support one another. I was at an event and Nick Colione, we were, just happened to be talking to Nick Colione in the hotel lobby, and Nick was talking about how he and some other artists, just how they're like brothers and how they talk all the time, how they support one another all the time. And that's really cool to know and to see, man, because like I think sometimes in this world, we think that, well, I got to compete with you, so I can't work with you, right? And it's not about that. It's about if one ship rises, we all rise, right? And it's cool to see you all working together, helping each other out and having that sense of camaraderie. That's a cool perspective to have. I believe that's a mature perspective. You know, of course, everybody that you meet, they're not going to think exactly the same way, but I believe I am definitely one of those people that feels that way because I believe in life. No one can take what's mine. That's right. That's and right. And I don't want what's yours. Yeah. And yeah. so that's just how I feel. I feel strongly about that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome, man. So I like to ask every one of our guests this question. This is something that my wife and I talk about regularly. It changes for us over time. But you're having a dinner party mm-hmm. and you can invite any three people living, mm. dead, from anywhere. Who would you invite and why? Man, I would probably want to invite first Frederick Douglass. I want to talk to him. His intellect okay. was just astounding. And just to know where he came from and for him to achieve that level. I mean, there's a difference between being smart and intelligent. And he was so intelligent, you know what I mean? And just listening to his stories. I'm a big history buff. Okay. Listening to his stories, how he talked about his certain events with slave masters and this and that. But I would invite him first because I just want to talk to him. I probably, if I could, I definitely want Mike there, Michael Jordan. Okay. You know what I mean? Hey, yeah. Mike, man, let's, let's just think. Of, man, hey, can we go hoop a little bit? Now? Can you show me one thing? <laughs> I definitely want Mike there. And then, man, I want my granddad there just one more That's time. Cool. That's cool. Just one more cool. time. Yeah. Just to let him see what I'm doing. Because my granddad said something to me before he passed. He said, hey, man, do me a favor. I said, what's that? He said, make my name proud. That's cool. He said, make my name proud. And I just want him to see, just see, hey, granddad, man, I'm doing it. I'm trying my best. Well, not only have you made his name proud, you are making his name famous. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool to see someone like yourself who is dedicated to their craft, who is not just dedicated to their craft, but who's willing to give back. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's cool to see you getting the accolades that you're getting, man. I'm happy for you. I'm proud of you. So tell us, what does the rest of 2021 and 2022 hope for you? 
I'm starting a couple of business ventures. One of them is I'm trying to create a space in the city of Milwaukee for artists like myself. Nothing big, nothing huge, just something that's intimate and something that allows us to just evolve and speak that soul jazz. So I'm in the process of creating that space right now. Man, like I said to you, you can go to my website and see the tour schedule. Some of the things I'm looking forward to is uh, the Fresh Coast Jazz Festival. I get a chance to, uh, Julian Vaughn called me and asked me to play with him on that. So I'll get a Fantastic. chance to do that. And ironically, I was yesterday, I was trying to get this, talking to a promoter and this and that, trying to get to Chicago to play Lowe's. Okay, that's yeah. A, that's a great venue. Oh, sure. Ironically, I'm riding down the street and I'm just saying this because this is just so exciting to me. One of the music directors, guitarist in the city of Chicago by the name of Jerry Johnson, he called me and he's like, hey man, I'm having my birthday jam. You want to come through? That's cool. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, man, I'm doing it on, the, uh, I think it's next Saturday. Yes, yeah, next Saturday. He's like, he said this. He's like, man, I don't know if this is weird or not, but I'm in Phoenix and I woke up and I was thinking about you. And I was like, yeah, we're going to keep that between. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he invited me to that. So those kind of things That's are great. happening. And Jerry is, uh, I'm quite sure he's going to have some people there that are a lot more established than myself because yeah. of who he plays for. But those kind of things, I'm starting to reach a level of brotherhood and artistry that other people, you know, they dream of. And I take it one day at a time and one step at a time, always staying grounded and remembering people who helped me when I can help myself, remembering that. And that's important to me. Yeah, well, I think that's a recipe for success, man. Mm -hmm. And we appreciate your time and we wish you nothing but the greatest of success. And Thank you. I got you recorded now, giving yeah, me man. my time at the Grammys. That's it. So, that's it. So it's all good. I look forward to that in a couple yes, of years, sir. if not sooner, there. man. Yeah, man. All right. We've been talking to saxophonist, vocalist, Marcus Adams. If you have not heard his newest project, Reset, make sure you take a listen and go to his website and find out where he's playing live. We're going to have him playing at the Fresh Coast Jazz Festival, the Fall Affair in October. And we're going to be looking forward to it. But you'll be seeing Marcus at a stage near you sometime in the very near future. So again, Marcus, we thank you for being on today. It's a pleasure being here. That's our show for this week. Be sure to check out our website, freshcoastjazz.com, to sign up for our email list so you can stay up on what's going on with contemporary jazz. We'll see you next time on Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage. 